0: You're listening to the Hardman Podcast, reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. Now, on this episode of the Hardman Podcast, I'm going to be talking about the masculine virtue of plain speech. Men should know how to get to the point. They should know how to be direct and not waste words. And they should be willing to speak clearly and courageously, with conviction, about hard truths. The hero of Netflix's Longmire series is Sheriff Walt Longmire. He's a plain-spoken and honest man who wears a Stetson. He carries a lever gun and a 1911. Sorry, Glock fans he packs a mean punch. He drinks Rainier beer, which for you in the Midwest or on the East Coast, that's the bush latte of beers. He's a simple man. He's straightforward in his speech. This is why everybody loves Walt. He's a no-nonsense sheriff who drives a beat-up Ford Bronco. He genuinely cares about his deputies, his, his community. What he doesn't care much for is people's opinion of him, particularly the influential and the important people in town, the businessmen, the casino owners, or the mayor. As a result, Walt is a great friend. He's an extremely effective lawman, but he's a terrible politician. Now, nearing the climax of the show, Walt shoots and kills the show's antagonist, on the steps of Walt's own cabin. Viewers know that Walt acted in self-defense. What he did was righteous. But there's uncertainty about whether the community or, more importantly, the courts will see it the same way. You see, there's this poignant moment when the brother of the dead man, the crotchety yet lovable Lucian, uh, who is a retired sheriff himself, he, he pays Walt a visit. And this is what he says. After you shot my brother, I cogitated on all the ways I could have been a better brother. Maybe if I'd done more, spent more time with him, my nephew would be alive. Your wife, Walt, would be alive. And Walt said, you believe that? I'll tell you what I believe. My brother would have been a good man if somebody had been there to shoot him every minute of his life. You see, it's that kind of crisp, straight-to-the-point dialogue that made critics and viewers love the show. Lucian's words, which in many ways mirror the way Walt speaks, well, they're direct. They're profound, and they hit with the force of a 20-pound sledgehammer. He doesn't mince words, and it's refreshing. He speaks in a way that is just, and viewers appreciate this. You see, like Walt, Lucian's speech reveals his absolute loyalty to truth, honor, and justice, despite his relationship to his now-dead brother. There's no compromise. There's no sugarcoating. There's no flattery. It's just plain speech. And it's that refreshing style of direct, masculine speech that we'll be examining in this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. Now, recently, I held a poll on Facebook and I was asking folks what are the top five masculine movies of all time? Both men and women weighed in, and the top films were not at all surprising Braveheart, The Patriot, Saving Private Ryan, Jeremiah Johnson, 300, True Grit, We Were Soldiers, and Dirty Harry. Right? And what struck me was that, without exception, virtually all these films. Featured a main character with these three basic traits. Number one, he was able to boldly speak unpopular truth with heroic audacity. Right? You think of Leonidas, you think of the the Persians approaching, and they say, You need to surrender, you need to lay down your weapons, and of course he says, Molan Labe, come and take it. Right? These films are known for one-liners and Brave stands just like that one. They are speaking with heroic audacity in the face of evil, injustice. So that's number one. Number two, they care little for the opinions of influential men or a comfortable life. Right. The whole point is that though there are powerful men that try to stop them from speaking, these men speak anyway. It could be a Persian king. It could be a boss. It could be the King of England. And William Wallace is still going to stand on principle for moral conviction. And so he speaks in a manner that reflects this masculine virtue. Number three, each of these characters sacrifice dearly for moral conviction. Right? Truth speaking is always costly, but these were men because they embraced it anyway. Right, you think of William Wallace, and he's riding out to meet uh, the other army and their officials. And they say, William, where are you going? To pick a fate. Right, that's great. That's what we love about men. They're willing to sacrifice dearly. Men and women throughout history have valued plain spoken, bold men. We may not be those kind of men. Often we aren't. But we still want that, right? We want men with spines in their backs. We want men with a firm grasp of masculine virtue, the the masculine virtue of clear, direct speech. That's why we have made heroes of people like the Reformers and the Puritans and the early church fathers. That's why we love Augustine. That's why we love Luther and Churchill. That's why we love Teddy Roosevelt. Right, these were men who knew how to speak like men. And this is the point that I want you to take away from this episode. This is the main point. Hard men speak plain truth. Right? Hard men speak plain truth. On the other hand, soft men, those are the ones who are pandering. Those are the ones who are pontificating. Those are the ones who over every statement to death. Those are the ones who aim to please with their speech. And so I want to encourage you, I hope this episode encourages you, be a hard man who speaks plain truth. Now, here's the other point that I want to make. We've been talking about movies. We've been talking about film. But really, this kind of direct masculine speech is also embedded in the fabric of scripture. Now, I bring this up because I also posted this poll on Twitter. And for whatever reason, it enraged the LGBT crowd. What is a masculine film, you monster? How dare you speak of films as having gender? Right, and I noticed that all the people who were pissed off were the lumberjack dykes, and they were the Lutheran pastors who were openly homosexual, and they were furious about this this theme of even considering masculine films. Right? And so what they do is they present a picture of masculinity from scripture that is neutered. The only passages they want to talk about are Jesus was nice. Jesus was not nice. In fact, many times, I think of Luke's gospel, the Pharisees and the lawyers say to Jesus, you have offended us. And what does Jesus say? He goes, oh, you think that's offensive? I got another one. And it's worse. Jesus is overturning tables. He's preaching so boldly and in such an offensive manner, they want to throw him off a cliff in his hometown. Why? It's not because Jesus was nice. Right, So when you look at scripture, you can look at Moses and the way that he spoke to Pharaoh. You can look at David as he ridiculed Goliath on the battlefield. The prophets like Jeremiah and how he spoke to the kings of Judah. They said, Jeremiah, don't, don't prophesy that way. Don't tell us bad things are coming. And what did Jeremiah do? He doubled down. He said, oh, you, you think that's bad? I got more for you, sir. You need to repent. This is how men in scripture speak. There's Peter and John before the religious leaders. They're told not to preach, right? And what do they say? Well, we think we shouldn't preach because it would destroy our witness. No, of course not. That's not what they said. They said, we will obey God, right? You guys tell us not to preach. We're going to keep preaching. This is what heroic masculine speech is all about, Jesus tells us this our speech comes from the heart. We speak this way because our hearts are full of faith. We're trusting in God. We love his word more than what people say about us. And so as masculine hard men we speak with faith, with courage, conviction and clarity. All right? This is all throughout scripture. I do want to clarify one thing. Right, a lot of people will hear this particularly my cadre of Lesbian Lutheran friends, I use the term friends very, very loosely. But they will hear this and they say, you think men should be jerks. I actually, I love this. I had somebody send me a picture they drew or had somebody draw. I don't know. And it was Jesus Christ Rambo. Now, how cool is that? Jesus Christ Rambo? Somebody took way too much time to try to insult me. And I actually loved it. I had a really long laugh. My boys love that as well. But right, that's not the picture, like bravado, machismo, just being an a-hole. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about speaking plainly with conviction and courage. That does not mean being a jerk. right? Scripture is full of passages like Proverbs 15:1 that calls us to use gentle words in certain situations, to be winsome, to be tactful. So, when we say speak boldly and plainly, I don't mean be a jerk. I don't mean that you should be as offensive as possible at all times. What our culture is lacking is men who speak boldly and clearly on difficult doctrinal issues. It's about speaking boldly and clearly on insidious social practices or when you're speaking to evil. On those issues, there's no room for softness. I want to lay out three things about this masculine virtue of plain speaking. So number one, do not pull your punches. Instead, speak with full force. What do I mean by that? I mean don't hold back from speaking hard truths. Right? You think of pulling your punch. It's like a boxer. Like he's faking it. He makes it look like he's hitting somebody hard, but he's not. Right? He's trying to soften the blow so as not to knock somebody out. And here's what I want you to hear as Men, there are times when you, like Paul, you're pushing people to repentance. You need to make them be leveled by the truth of God's word. And that is the most merciful and kind thing you can do to them, right? We'll get into this in a little bit, but what does it look like to pull your punches? If you have a homosexual friend, you say something like, well, homosexuality isn't God's best for you, right? That is pulling your punches. What is not pulling your punches is saying, look, man, this is sin. It will send you to hell. I love you. Repent. Or with Paul saying to the LGBT lumberjack dyke lesbian pastor, right, saying to her, be reconciled to God. I want you to turn from your sin. This is wicked and evil, right? That is a merciful, manly way to address things. Don't pull your punches. Swing with the full force that Scripture warrants. All right, number two, moving along. Don't bury the lead. Right, I'm a journalist by trade. What does that mean? It means that your lead goes in the first sentence or paragraph. You have a nut graph. You get to the point right away. How many times you got a you got a difficult conversation you got to have with a friend or somebody in your church? Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a kid. And what do you do? You go on and on for like 15 minutes. Oh, did you see the game? Oh, yeah, that was so great. Just get to the point. That's how masculine speech should be. I love you, brother. You're in sin. You need to stop. Right? Paul speaks like this all the time. Act like men. Right? It's not a flowery Harlequin romance novel. Right, Too many dudes watching The Notebook. Look, I love you, lady. Let's get married. Let's make some babies. Come on. We need more of that in the world. What are the other ways that you bury the lead? I've heard so many sermons where the main points are buried in a sea of verbosity. People just talk and talk and talk and talk. And after 47 minutes of God knows what, they finally get to the point, but nobody notices right because that's burying the lead. The other thing that pastors do is they overqualify. A, a famous pastor I heard the other day, he was asked, "Do you think homosexuality is wrong?" This is what he said. He said this, "Well, the, the first question that I always want to ask is what what where are you in your life with scripture?" Like if, if God tells you something, right? And he goes on and on forever. It's it, it's like a 35-minute YouTube video. And at the end, he's like, you know, if God were to say to you not to do something, would you not do it? I mean, that's where we need to be. He never just says homosexuality is a sin. You need to repent of it. If you're living that life, if you're effeminate, if you're trending in that direction, you need to repent, right? Don't bury the lead. Get to the point. And number three, and this is the final thing that I'll mention in this section, about the masculine virtue of plain speaking. Don't sugarcoat things, right? When you have unpopular truths, you know they're going to be unpopular. Don't sugarcoat them. Don't try to uh, avoid offending people, right? Doug Wilson and Mother Kirk, he has this great line and he says, we think in the pulpit that it is our job to make God palatable to the world, to make God acceptable to the world. That is not our job. Don't sugarcoat unpopular truths. Now, by way of application, how can you learn this style and this power of plain speaking? Well, I would encourage you in a couple things because you need to be reading things that are plain spoken and you need to be exposing yourself to people who are plain spoken. It is not common enough in our day that you're going to find people who generally do this. But here's what I would encourage you to do. Read John Calvin. Right, I made it a practice during my preaching ministry that every sermon where there's a Calvin, Calvin has a commentary, I would use that commentary. And you know what struck me? I was like, Calvin is a jerk. Compared to our culture today, like, I'm pretty sure if John Calvin preached at almost any reformed church, he would be thrown out today. He calls people stupid. He says, anyone who believes this doctrine is stupid and worthless. And a piece of rubbish like he'll talk like that, or read the Puritans. Right, they're very, very plain. Probably a little nicer than the Reformers at many points, but they can be harsh too. Read J. C. Ryle, Holiness. Oh my goodness, if you want to see plain speaking that is almost absolutely absent from the church and the world today, read J. C. Ryle, Holiness. Read his book to young men. It's phenomenal. All right, these men were extraordinarily effective. Because they did not pull their punches, they did not bury the lead, and they did not sugarcoat. I want to give you one example. Hopefully, this whets your appetite for more direct speech. Because at the end of the day, direct speech is freeing, it's liberating, and it's refreshing. Right? This is Cotton Mather. He said this, A prayerless family is a pagan family. Ouch! Right? That's powerful stuff. What is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven words. And in seven words, Cotton Mather was the king of Twitter before Twitter existed. He didn't need 140 characters. Cotton Mather lays you low with just a few words. He gets his point across, it stings, and you say, if my family's prayer list were basically pagans, ouch. That is what the world needs more of. What is the problem today with the way that men speak and the way that speech is in culture? Well, it's this. We might value plain speech in an aspirational way. We read biographies. I know reformed pastors who love John Calvin. And then I listen to them preach and I'm like, why don't you preach like Calvin? You don't at all. Where is the manly preaching? Right? We don't live what we seem to love in our on-screen heroes. And here's why. This is what I want to get to. Here's why. Few men have undertaken the arduous, costly work of speaking plainly in their own lives. It takes discipline and hard work to cultivate this practice, and it's costly. Look, I've, I've lived this out, and here's what happens. You speak the truth, you lose friends, right? But a hard man will say, you know what? I'm going to speak that truth anyway. It's costly. And we live in a generation of soft Christians who are not willing to speak costly truths. They will not discipline themselves to do this. Right? The greatest example of the failure in the absence of hard men speaking the truth is the American pulpit. Right. The pulpit leads the world. And the American pulpit, over all of it, hangs the Hippocratic Oath of sorts, which says this, first, give no offense. Give no offense. Preachers are scared to offend their people. And here's what it does. It's a strategy that is astoundingly successful if you are trying to produce larger audiences and harder hearts. You want to grow your church big? Don't offend people. One caveat. Everybody's going to be hard-hearted. Hope you never have to deal with sin. The greatest areas the pulpit has failed. And this is why our culture in America is awash with softness, sexual sin, and societal, social issues that are just destroying the culture is because preachers will not speak and pastors will not speak on biblical sexuality. They will not address femininity and masculinity from Scripture, right? The sexuality in the church is really, in many ways, not that different from the culture, and it's trending in the wrong direction. What about economics? It's not just sexual practices, right? We live in a debt culture because no pastor has the stones to tell his people, you should not be in debt. Get out of debt. Take a Dave Ramsey course. Like, we'll help you. But being in debt, like, you're slave, man. And we don't have pastors who preach on these issues. What's one of the other areas where the pulpit has failed to teach and preach? Well. It's on fruitfulness in marriage, right? If the church was being faithful in preaching on fruitfulness in marriage, would America really be a two point five children and in decreasing household? Would that be our country? No, no. But no, no pastor wants to ruffle the feathers. A few of them do, but not on the whole. Right? No pastor wants to sit down with a couple who has been married for ten years and can have children but doesn't want to because it will interfere with their career. He's afraid to speak the hard truths. He doesn't want to address the feminism in a marriage. Many husbands don't want to address that. So they just cow to their wife, right? And the pulpit, as I said, has failed the church and it's failed the culture. The salt is not salty anymore. This is why our church, which won't preach on effeminacy, which won't preach on homosexuality, this is why our church and culture are awash in perversions of every rainbow flag flavor, right? Because many within the church have refused to speak courageously and clearly about sexuality. Again, as I said in the last episode, how many sermons have you heard on the sin of effeminacy? 1 Corinthians 6. Paul, in that passage, speaks clearly and manfully. He says, if effeminacy and homosexuality are sins. Repent. Right, That's a pretty simple message. You don't need 17 seminary degrees to figure out that passage. Effeminacy, sin, repent. Not hard, right? Yet the leaders and pastors in big evangelicalism, they soften it. So if you listen to the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, he'll say things like this. We know homosexuality doesn't send you to hell because heterosexuality doesn't send you to heaven. That's right. That's the kind of garbage that is coming from the pulpit. What the church needs is a generation of men with the spirit of Moses. Hebrews 11 men. What does it say about Moses? It says he chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses did not care about his prestige and popularity in Egypt. He said, you know what? I will stand with Christ. I will stand with God and I will be cut off with the people of God because I will speak and stand for the truth. We need men like this. And what have we got? We've got effeminate churches because effeminate men preach to them. Soft men Preaching, soft men, hearing, and nothing but hard hearts. We have a coddled generation of Americans who needs a safe space. God help us. We need a safe space from opposing viewpoints. Not the Taliban coming to rape your wives and behead you. No, we need safe spaces from opposing viewpoints. Tell me we're not soft. We're concerned in our colleges and universities and in our high schools that opinions other than our own could, quote, do violence to us. We're afraid that our teenagers would get emotional trauma or PTSD from difficult discussions. And so we have to issue trigger warnings. you got to be kidding me. We've got to issue trigger warnings. By the way, suicide rates among teenagers and iGen, that's the generation right, after the millennials, maybe 97 and after something like that, suicide rates have skyrocketed. Emotional health has tanked. Why? Because they're soft. Because we made them soft. Because we don't speak hard truths. Nobody looks his son in the eye and says, you do not measure up, son. You got work to do. We need fathers. This is the great need of the hour. Doug Wilson has said this in Mother Kirk. The need of the hour is for the jackhammer of God's truth. If you have concrete hearts, you do not come at them with a feather duster. It's hard words from hard men to soften the hearts of God's people. Where are the hard men? Where are the men willing to address the difficult issues that nobody wants to talk about? Right? Where are the sermons during the coronavirus? Like we heard of one out of Moscow. At least some stuff, some content that got pulled and banned. If you're not preaching the kind of content. That Google and YouTube would ban, you're probably not doing it right. If they're not ready to throw you off the cliff, you're probably softening the message. We have come to the point, Doug Wilson writes, we have come to the point in the church and the nation where anyone who speaks a hard word is automatically assumed to be displaying his own hard heart. And so we call him harsh and divisive. He is unloving. In an era of muddled confusion, soft words, and hard hearts, the world needs plain spoken men. We need men willing to speak the words that will get them labeled as divisive, unloving, and destroying their witness. And those men will speak anyway. Right, it's not an easy path. It's not a popular path, but I believe it is the path of faithfulness. I want to end with this. Three practical ways you can be a hard man speaking hard truths. All right? We promised it would be practical. How can you do this? Right, it's easy to look at the pulpit and you say, well, I'm not a pastor. I can't change that. That's true but you can be faithful where you are. Here are three ways that you can be a hard man speaking hard truth. Number one, you can speak hard truth in your marriage, right? We just got a little bit uncomfortable, didn't we? All right, I cannot tell you how many men will say to me things like this. I know, pastor, but if I address that issue with her or with my children, she said she'll leave me, right? Because you have a guy who is married to basically a raging feminist and he's afraid of her, and so he won't talk to her. He won't deal with her sin because he's living in fear, and she holds that over him. I'm going to tell you a little secret about feminist women. You know what they really want is a man who leads well. That's what they're hungering for. They don't know it. It's like a it's like a kid who, he doesn't think he wants discipline, but that's what he wants. Right? I want you in your marriage, men, to deal with the sin you're afraid will destroy your marriage. I want you to take it to God. I want you to take it to your pastor. Into wise men that you know and trust and can walk you through this issue. But I want you to deal with that sin. I don't know what it is. You do. Deal with the sins you're afraid will destroy your relationship. Number two. So number one was your marriage. Number two, your children. I'm going to switch gears on this one. You think I'm going to say come hard at your children. There's a time for that. But I want to challenge you. How do you speak hard truths to your children? You go to them. When you sin and you say, son, daughter, your father was wrong. Your father has sinned against you and before God. Please forgive me. And then you teach them to say, this is what we do in our house. It's what we say with each other. And it's humbling every time it happens when you have to, as a parent, confess your sin. My child will say to me, and this is just life-giving words, man. I encourage you to do this. My child will say to me, daddy. I forgive you as Christ also forgives me. You want to put the gospel to work in your home? Do that with your kids. You want to speak hard truths? Confess your sin. That's a hard truth. Your kids, your sons, they need to see and hear you ask for forgiveness. They need to see that you are depending on the grace of the gospel every day. Hard men speak hard truths, and I don't mean you're a jerk. Finally, finally, end of the show. I want you to learn how to speak hard truth at work. Right? When you're pissed off at your boss, you're pissed off at a coworker, don't play the CC game. Don't finish an email with warm regards. Lovingly yours, John. Yeah, John, we know you're not lovingly anything right now, okay? And the fact that you CC'd every department head, uh, that lets us know. We're not stupid. We know what's going on. Don't be passive aggressive at work, men. You got a problem with your boss? You got a, a problem with your coworker? You got a, you got a problem with your employee? Look, this is really really simple. Go direct. No text messages, no emails, no face to face. Right? Friendships, church relationships, you could say the same thing. Go to a person's face and say to them, "Yeah, I got a problem. We need to work this out." Right? That's Matthew 18. We talk about that passage, but do we do it? So, speak those truths. And when you do, in your marriage, with your children, and at work, don't pull your punches. Don't bury the lead. Don't sugarcoat. Speak plain gospel truths. Be a hard man and speak plain truths. That's what the world needs. Thanks for listening to the Hard Men Podcast. More on the topic of masculinity and biblical sexuality be sure to check out my website. That's ericconn.com, E-R-I-C-C-O-N-N.com. You can follow me on Instagram or Twitter. My handle on Twitter is ericconn, all lowercase, E-R-I-C-C-O-N-N. If you have questions or feedback, please reach out. Till next time, friends, stay frosty, fight the good fight, act like men.